0: Yeah. We need to get back to work. And work is one of the ways that we contribute to this country, that we grow our GDP, we grow our tax base, we contribute to each other effectively. We help finance our national security, our homeland security, our you know our
1: infrastructure. I
2: had key employees that really wanted to be leaders in the company, but they didn't want to have any ownership and responsibility that way. So yep. I just had to start researching out and, and figuring out, well, how do I market my company?
0: Go to your local school board, what for one hour twice this year and if you can have t- even just 10 or 15 employers show up and do that at the same school board every single month there's two contractors filling out a little card to, to to give your 30 seconds at the podium that says i need your help and we have great jobs eventually they will hear you but if everyone just did two hours a year that's how we change this for stacy how are you doing this morning i'm doing great <laughs> she loves it i ask the question every <laughs> time she's like I'm fine, dude, just
1: uh, (laughs) a little much. And I say to that owner, I said, I said, so you're not willing to invest in yourself. You're not going to invest in yourself. You're going to invest in companies you have no control over, whereas your company you control, and you don't have the confidence to pour the money into that.
0: When things are busy and they're looking for their GC friends to sit down and negotiate a project on a GC and a fee, and they're more excited about building the project, and then all of a sudden the model, the market swings, and now the developer market is going to go out and they're gonna hard bid the same project to two or three different PCs. And that's where that's where it starts going down. It's morning huddle time. Good morning, Chad Prinky here with Stacey Holzinger and our guest, Michael Wagner. Uh, Stacy, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. I had a great Easter with my family. We went to Holland Ridge Farm, and it's uh, the biggest flower picking farm I think in the U.S. It was all tulips. There was like eight million flowers. It was really cool experience. Really cool thing. Yeah. Did did you have happy kids picking flowers? Yes, (laughs) and the weather was beautiful.
0: That's that's the dream. That's living. That's wonderful. Where were you that the weather was beautiful?
1: Um, Well, I think it was called Cream Ridge, New Jersey. So that sure. day was beautiful, but um, ah, Saturday was cold. the day. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah, because
0: yeah. Sunday got cold. Man, I was like, we did a whole outdoor thing with my family, and uh, I was wearing like a scarf.
1: You know, that, that's uh and This it takes winter is never ending for sure.
0: <laughs> Michael, how are you today? Good, Chad. How are you doing? Doing real Thanks good. good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Absolutely, uh, welcome this morning. So. Uh, how was your Easter? It was good.
2: Yeah, had the uh, Easter egg hunt with my two and a half year old. So that was fun.
0: That is fun. Yeah, they're they're like amazed at the simplest yeah, hiding spaces. At that, it's, the, it's kind of like me. I'm about uh, about the same. So, all right. Well, good. Uh, so uh, today we have a pretty uh, exciting topic, at least uh, for me and the people that I hang out with, uh, which is we're going to be talking about you know real uh, fair and sustainable solutions to escalation. And right now in the construction industry, and and depending on when you're uh, listening to this, it's pretty much, you know, um, always relevant to some extent, but, uh, right now in particular, uh, materials escalation is just through the roof and it's, it's on everybody's mind. Everybody's worried about it. Um, and, uh, so bringing in Mike, who is a construction attorney, uh, for Seiforth and Shaw. Did I say that right? Safeworth or C Yes, Seyforth, Shaw. Seiforth. <laughs> <honest. laughs> right. um, uh, but he's a construction attorney, uh, attorney based in Washington, D.C., represents general contractors, subcontractors, and developers. Uh, so he's got a really multifaceted view of what's going on, the solutions that are being come up to resolve this, some of which Mike is actually employing himself and thought that this would be a really valuable conversation for our audience. So as always, guys, engage. Make sure that you're asking your questions, that you uh, share your comments. If you're watching us live here, uh, we want to make sure that we're capitalizing on the fact that you're here and get some of your questions answered. Stacy will bring you back uh, with around 10 minutes to go to bring some of those things to the front. While uh, right now, Mike and I dive into uh, the conversation.
1: All right. See you guys in a bit.
0: See you soon. Thanks. So so Mike, um, how, first off, uh, just give us a little bit more background on yourself. So I've described what you do and who you do it for. Uh, anything else you give us to kind of help, help us to see who you are and, and, and what your background is?
2: sure yeah so i'm a uh, as you said construction and government contracts attorney here at Seifarth Shaw in dc um been practicing about 10 years now um you know prior to my career in as an attorney um you know i i worked for a general contractor in the dc area um i did that in law school and then a year after i i, I graduated from law school um but i've grown up around the construction industry my dad was an electrical contractor in the D.C. area as well. So grew up helping him in the summers, uh, moved into the office, did project management, accounting. Um, so, you know, our conversations at the dinner table were about the projects he were working on and, and the change orders he was he was working on at the time. Um, so just been around it my whole life, really.
0: That, yeah, you no question. You've been around it your whole life. Yeah, that's I, my construction story and some of the audience has heard this. My construction story is I was a laborer for my brother who owns a construction company. I was a laborer for my brother from the time I was 15 to the time I was 23. And I started to, I I gathered a whole bunch of skills. I, but note, I said a laborer for that entire time. Right, I, 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 uh, I I got uh, precisely as good as uh, a first year apprentice in like several different categories right uh, just enough to know i wasn't cut out for it <laughs> <Just> <laughs> so uh so yeah runs runs in the family as well i can i can relate um so okay here we are as as we're recording this it is april 19th 2022 we are in the midst of the highest levels of inflation that we've seen since the 80s economy-wide. And specifically in the building industry, we're experiencing a very acute intense, and we have been actually for several years now, uh, uh, price escalation, volatile price, uh, uh, cost market for materials. How did we get to this level of inflation and price escalation?
2: Yeah, I I think, you know, I will say that you know inflation and escalation has been around. Um, you know, I think here though it's a heightened awareness um, that that we're looking at, and really COVID nineteen and, and the pandemic brought a perfect storm, which has created this pricing volatility. Um, you know, you have labor issues, uh, restrictions, supply chain problems. Um, you have a downturn in manufacturing, and then you know transportation and logistical problems. All of that's come together at one point, at one, at one time, which has really created that perfect storm. And that's why we're seeing the the volatility in the market.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it is a perfect storm. It, it seems like no matter what topic you talk about in that list, there's a, a damn good reason contributing to why we are where we are. And that by itself would be challenge enough. But when you start stacking things, it's, it's really, you created this perfect storm. I do wonder though, and, and you don't, if you don't have a comment on this, it's okay, I'll just, this is just my own crazy theory. But I do wonder to what extent organizations are capitalizing on the market conditions and the plethora of reasonable excuses for high prices to go ahead and jack their prices up and create uh, excess profits. Because I'm seeing the feedback from the market in terms of profitability in 2020 and 2021, particularly, uh, were wildly profitable years for a lot of organizations. So profits didn't suffer. Uh, prices went up, and somehow the market stomached that price you know escalation.
2: Yeah, and I definitely don't have an insight to what what the manufacturers are doing, you know, if they are experiencing these problems. It seems that many of them are um or whether, you know, they are taking advantage of new market conditions.
0: Maybe a little column A and a little column B. I mean, it rated it. Right. You know, just uh, I'm not going to suggest that everybody's making stuff up. I don't think that's occurring, but I do think that the I'm not hearing of anybody that is complaining about losing money on that side of the aisle, and in fact, I'm hearing some some very opposite stories. So, at any rate, uh, you w- one of the things that's funny you, you said price escalation. It's been around. Uh, you th- this has been happening for quite some time. Why haven't we been talking about price escalation in contracts on any? mass scale because i will tell you that the conversation i'm having over and over with uh, my contractor clients particularly trade contractor clients and members of our peer groups which uh, give us a really good insight as to what's going on in the industry they're regularly saying is anybody able to secure some sort of you know safety net for for cost escalation and contracts and that if i if i had a you know a graph for how frequently that came up from over the past 12 months, it's uh, it peaked probably two or maybe two or three months ago where it started to be, you know, the dominant discussion uh, in our peer groups. How are you dealing with, with cost escalation? Why hasn't it been at the forefront until recently? I mean, obviously it's worse than it has been, but what, what did it used to, what does it normally look like?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, you're always going to have, in certain instances, I think, people building um, price escalation into their their contracts in some way. Um, you know, when I was looking at this topic, one thing I found interesting is that a lot of the form documents that we use, you know, such as the, as the AIA or American Institute of Architects uh, form documents, they do not have price escalation and um, the only one that I was able to find actually before this was uh, Consensus Stocks 200.1, which is actually an amendment to deal with price escalation uh, in a construction contract. So I, I think it is just the, the heightened awareness at this point. I mean, like you said, it has been around. Um, the tariffs cause price escalation all the time. For example, uh, when there was a, a change from uh, To the Biden administration, the current administration, November 24th, 2021, we had a double on uh, the tariff, an increase on the tariff um, for lumber coming out of Canada. So that was, you know, that's not necessarily caused by the pandemic, but it was caused by a government agency um, raising the tariff on that.
0: I did not realize that.
2: Yeah, correct. So, um, you know, those, those types of actions are always, always going to be taking place. But I, again, I think I go back to the heightened awareness with, with
0: the pandemic. So, so, but what you just said about the fact that that standard industry documents, whether it's AIA, which is probably ubiquitous, right? When it comes to construction docs, contracts, don't have escalation addressed in any of them. So no wonder this is something everybody, is uh, you know discussing is how do you deal with this because there actually hasn't been a standard for dealing with this up until now i guess that the the method for dealing with this up until now has been suck it up and absorb the risk raise your prices at the time of bid if you think prices are going to be higher lower them if you think prices are going to be lower and sometimes you win sometimes you lose and i think that's kind of been the, the the norm but what should we be doing about our current circumstances what do we do about price escalation now
2: yeah, sorry. I think what what you were just describing was the the undisclosed contingency that yeah. you know, without the the standard form clauses or custom clauses for price escalation, you know, contractors are putting contingencies that they're not disclosing to the the owner or the upstream entity. Um,
0: also known as just they, raising your prices.
2: Yes, correct. So <laughs> that doesn't bring much transparency into pricing and at that point the owner is really not getting an accurate price, they don't know what exactly what exactly is going on there, um, what the actual price of the materials or equipment that are being incorporated to the project. Um, so you know, what we've been coming up with, uh, there's a number of things and you can be very creative in, in, in your approach. Um, the first is to sit down with the owner or the subcontractor sitting down with the, the contractor and coming up with, you know, a disclosed contingency, we're going to set aside money ahead of time to deal with this risk that, that prices are going to go up um, and so that is one way to sit down and negotiate is to set you know set the dollar value it, it does have its downside because what if you don't cover the price escalation so you've got to kind of come up with a fair number um, and, and there's got to be some dialogue and transparency into the, the costs
0: yep. And and you're using this term transparency, and I want to call that to people's attention because if there's another comment that we get from our subcontractor uh, peer groups or roundtables, it is that there's generally nervousness about transparency, this thought that I don't really want people knowing my costs. I really don't want to, to open my books, but... Do, where, where does the transparency need to flow? Does it need to flow from the specialty contractor through the general contractor all the way up to the owner? What, what, you know, how would you recommend that transparency flows, and and then also make the case for transparency?
2: Yeah, I, I think it, it has to go. You know, start from the the bottom up. Um, the suppliers who are actually you know sending in this equipment or um, pricing the equipment and materials, they have to you know, of course, provided to the sub, and the sub needs to pass it up to the general contractor and ultimately to the owner. Um, And, you know, I I think the case for transparency is that in many instances, number one, the owner could ultimately find out if they really wanted to by doing math or calling around to the supply houses to figure out what the actual cost of these materials are running on a day. -day. Right.
0: It's not as if it's a secret.
2: Yes. Yeah. So, they could ultimately, if they really wanted to, figure out what the markup is on top of those materials. Um, the the other thing is I, I think the construction business, it's, it's all about partnership. Um, you all have to be working together, pulling in the same direction to make a project successful. And to the extent that uh, transparency in the cost, you can do that and, and, and share that. And everybody is, is winning, um, I guess would be the term, that, that's what ultimately you want. Uh, and then the third for the, uh, the case of transparency is many of these these contracts, such as a cost plus with the GMP, they're going to have audit rights yeah. or um, you're going to have to demonstrate your costs anyways. So yeah, the, the owner is going to be able to, to go in and look at the books or look at the invoices, look at uh, the ledgers and, and figure out exactly what that cost is
0: so the analogy that i would use here thinking about what you're describing is depends on one's mindset if you are a home run hitter and you're focused on swinging for the fences you'll hit some home runs yeah but home run hitters is any Good baseball fan knows home run hitters tend to also strike out a decent amount their averages tend to be a little like we had the mark mcguire hitting 219 with 55 home runs you know yeah. kind of thing uh it's it's either a home run or a strikeout and there's really not a whole heck of a lot in between if that's your mentality if that's where you're coming from you're probably not even really interested in having this conversation about price escalation right cost escalation sure. in contracts you're probably saying look i'm here i'm making bets I don't want the transparency. I'm looking to find ways to win, and I think I'm smarter than the market. I think I can, you know, read what's coming down the line, and I'm comfortable with that risk. Uh, I'm a home run uh, hitter. That's that's kind of my mentality. If you'd rather get on base, then you're then you probably you know if you have that mentality where, uh, you know, a single, a walk. Uh, you're double here and there. If that's your mentality, then you're probably not going to be feeling nearly as uncomfortable about the idea of transparency, right? Because when you open your books, you're not, you're, you're going to be feeling comfortable about showing the, the profits that you're making because that you think they're reasonable. You think yeah. they're fair, you know, that different type of stuff. So I'm not, then seriously, I'm, I'm really not judging between the two, but I do think that home run hitters do some interesting things to the overall market and it's probably the reason that owners are hesitant to uh you know offer contingency clauses and go down this road because there's usually somebody willing to gamble <laughs> you
2: know yeah, and, there is, there so, is. and it, it really does come down to your risk profile are you going to be the person who's going to increase their your your their price, you know, put a large markup in it, or do you want to try to negotiate things out and and see where it ends up? You know, it's all about balancing the risk. If you have a high risk profile or a low risk profile, there's multiple ways to approach it.
0: So, so what do you see going back to, so, so let's say that we're tailoring the rest of this discussion really around the, the person that's just trying to get on base, the person that's trying to make a reasonable profit, doesn't want to get killed in the market and I do know these folks Man, I I I know trade contractors right now that are like finishing up work that they priced in 2020 they're getting no help and they're uh losing money on every project that they priced in 2020 they're bringing it home right now and that what they're really looking for is for just somebody to you know help to cushion the next ones they're not they're not looking to swing hard the other way or hit home runs they just need to get on base for those people, uh, w- when you when you get into contract negotiations themselves, what advice would you have if you were trying to approach this topic of establishing uh, material escalation clause? Yeah,
2: so I, I think you need to, re- to request a sit down, request, you know, sit down and negotiate. And with who? With uh, whoever you're, you're contracting with. So, for example, the subcontractors need to sit with the general contractors and general contractors need to sit with the owners and let them know what's going out there with the pricing that, that we're seeing and what's increasing, you know, what's going down, where where the market is at the time of, of contracting. And that's gonna kind of guide your conversation on on what can be done. Um, you know, I think the first step would, would be to talk about the contingency. Um, and then, you know, I think a, the second step is to go for a price escalation clause. Um, and there's a multiple ways that you can approach the the price escalation clause. You know, you can set it based on, you know, a percentage increase, or you can, you know, set it based on time or a combination of both, which would be a temporal approach. Um, so when I'm talking about percentage increase, you know, what what the contract provision could say, you know, the contractor is going to own the price increase up to 10%. And then from there, the owner's going to carry the burden. So it's it's a risk sharing c- scenario based on the percentage.
0: And there's yeah. and there's an expectation that I'm going to have to demonstrate, I'm going to have to prove that my cost went up. There's that is going to be able to be audited. Correct. Therefore yeah. they're going to be able to see what my hard costs on my materials were for that.
2: Yeah. And that's where the transparency comes in. You're going to have to provide those those invoices.
0: Yep. Uh-huh. And and on the flip side of that it it seems to me, you know, nobody can have it all one way. So so is there is there a a feature in this escalation discussion where if the materials cost goes down by 10%, then the there's a savings that gets split up like does that, you know, yep. how does that work? That's, yeah, you can be as
2: creative as, as you want. There could be, you know, if it's going to be an increase, you know, that's to the benefit of the contractor in a way. But also, you know, there could be a, a benefit to the owner of, of the pricing going down. And you can build that into the contract. That if there's a savings, you know, you, there could be an adjustment based on on the pricing
0: going down. Excellent. Got it. Okay, good. So that's that's a really tangible action item so uh again i keep focusing on the on the specialty contractors because i think they're the ones that I mean, they shoulder the burden of buying the materials so um that for the most part obviously you know there are exceptions to that for that group how would you respond to the person that says i asked the gc if they'd be willing to sit down they said no can do
2: i really think you need to push for it and, and go you know, go back to the table as, as many times as
0: possible because have I contracted yet? Is this all, pr- this is all prior to me going to contract.
2: Yeah. Correct.
0: Right? This is all prior to me going to the contract. So, so again, if I'm going to challenge, I'm going to push back on that and just, and sort of say, if I'm a sub, if I'm a you know specialty contractor, I'm saying, uh, well, they're going to, my competition's willing to do it. They're going to say, you know, fine, give it to me. I'll handle it. So, so I'm running this kind of risk. Um, you know, again, I'll, I'll, I'll put it back in your court. What would, how would you respond to that?
2: I mean, what, what I would say is you're, you're not going to get the accurate pricing is the fact, you know, okay, if you want to do it that way, I'm going to put in a large contingency that's not going to be disclosed to you. And that's not good for anyone involved, including the owner who, who is, is building this project or, you know, providing the financing.
0: I think that's the big message that we're sending across is that you have two choices here. Choice number one is that you deal in a world where you're getting artificially inflated prices to cover uh you know material increases that everybody's got to protect against and if and if you want to buy that way fine you don't know what the actual prices are and your priority is just cost certainty i don't want to pay a penny more than what i said i was going to pay up front that's one approach that you can take if you're the buyer the yeah. second approach that you can take is I actually just I just want to pay what is what is reasonable and fair inside the current parameters of the market. So that if costs do go up, I'm comfortable moving up with that number. But I think if I were a buyer, the only way I'd be willing to do that is if costs went down, I got to participate in that as well.
2: Sure. Yeah, I, I think that's that's right. And that that is striking a nice balance. It's you know, if the pricing goes up, yes, we'll give you an up, a certain adjustment. After a certain period of time or a certain percentage, but also we're looking for the benefit of the pricing going down.
0: All right. Awesome. I cannot freaking believe that we're as far along in this uh, yeah. show as we are already. We're getting close to the end here. And I want to make sure that uh, Stacy has a chance to pass along some of the questions we've got.
1: Okay. Okay. <clears throat> uh, so do you have any clients now, um, any success stories that you can share of how they resolved this?
2: Sure. Yeah, yeah. I won't name names, but um, yeah, we've seen a lot of contingencies uh, that have been successful, disclosed contingencies. We've seen a lot of uh, price escalation clauses. Um, one thing I'm specifically thinking about um, was a specific material. Uh, what we did on the escalation was um, it was a, a, a temporal approach based on time. And what it says is you know, the, the contractor Will take the first six months Um, they're buying that and their price after that um, then the owner will will participate in providing a price increase for for the material or escalation and what we also put in there was basically if the contractor however delays the project then they do not get the the price escalation so that was, that was a, a give and take there. It was a fair, you know, you're, you're not entitled to the price increase if you delay the project uh, because you're putting yourself into the, the time period in which prices are going up.
0: So, so I th- make sure I understand what's happening there. I, what I think you're saying is the contractor said, look, I know what this material is going to cost for the next six months. So I'm on it for the next six months or you know, roughly I know what it's yeah. going to cost for the next six months. So right. I'm willing to take that risk because my price represents what I would take over the next six months. If we're done six months from now, great. We're good. But exactly. if we're, if we go into month nine, the next three months, if the material cost is higher than what I bid it at, you, you're, you're going to need to cover the balance of that. And then the exactly. owner's pushback or, you know, a counterbalance to that is simply to say, fine, but if the reason that we're on month nine is because you didn't have the manpower to get to where we needed to get to, uh, then it's gonna shift back to you. My, my only question exactly here is, right. was that between was that a specialty contractor? Uh, so that was an, uh, an owner general contractor relationship. Okay, got it. were, the, they, were the, they were the prime Correct. On, on that project. Okay, got it. I was just gonna say, you know, the only thing that could get dicey is, okay, what if the GC owns the delay? In that kind of deal, and the and the specialty contractor had cut that deal. So does the yeah. does the risk now shift to the GC? Are they now writing the check, or how does that work? So you're you're saying between the the G if this
2: relationship was between the GC and the sub, is that right? Is that's that right.
0: Yeah, because yeah. but in in a in a, in a uh, GMP cost plus type of contract where you know ultimately that's the the owner's money, <laughs> you right. know, um, you know kind of thing. Um, how would that work? Yeah, so I think that's
2: right. I mean, what you would have is you would need to flow that provision down to the subcontractor as well. Um, So if, you know, say the general contractor uh, flowed that provision that he had with the owner down, the subcontractor would equally be responsible for complying with with that provision um, and the delays. So then it kind of the battle becomes between the the sub and the general contractor in in that instance
0: what percentage of projects do you think are going out right now obviously i think it depends on the market segment big time right I, i think i think wood frame residential is is you know getting much 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 fewer of these kinds of uh contract escalation clauses than you know maybe uh infrastructure uh you know kind of project but what's your gut feel for what percentage of contracts are going out right now with some sort of materials escalation built in
2: i think uh at most i would i would say the majority
0: wow um you
2: know i going to infrastructure i, I did see material escalation on concrete so um it, it is present um and I, I think given the volatility in the market people are willing
0: to negotiate at this point So what I'm really hearing you say is this is not an unreasonable ask for anybody in the chain. This is not an unreasonable conversation. And to your point, when I said, hey, if somebody says no can do, you're like, yeah, push, double down, because it it is not unreasonable for you to be asking about this and trying to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. I I don't I don't think so. And and I'll go back to that 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 partnership um,
2: working together for the project.
0: Um, right. At the end of the day, do we want when nobody wants to hurt each other yeah. coming in <laughs> right? toward the end, maybe some people will start feeling yes. like they want to hurt each other, which is a whole other topic for all other for all yeah. other show. But, um, you know, at, at that upfront stage, you know, building contracts that right out of the gate, you know, uh, put us at odds, it's a huge mistake. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean,
2: you, you always want to, you know, you want to protect yourself in a contract. But also you know there should be some type of uh, risk sharing
0: awesome uh stacy uh time for one more
1: um so how can we handle escalation depending on the contract type
2: so escalation depending on the contract price uh, type i think it's it's always going to be you're going to always have the same options um on i would say on a uh cost plus, you're probably going to have more options, and that's where you know, you're going to get into more of the, the contingencies um, and, and allowance. You could even use allowance to, to cover uh, the, the price escalation, but I mean, most contracts, you're going to be able to build in a price escalation clause, you know, force majeure clause, um, sunset provisions, delay clauses. Uh, you could even go with an early release of materials or a direct buy um where the owner's purchasing the materials early on and storing them and then you have you have phase construction that you could use as well so I think regardless of whether the contract type you're always going to have those types of provisions available to you
0: awesome awesome all right great um we are uh, up on time and I I know for sure that uh, if if we had folks watching this Uh, who were, you know, whether they're regardless, specialty contractor, general contractor, owner, developer. There are um, real takeaways that I think you provided uh, and and really appreciate that. Mike, you're a smart guy. And uh, if I needed a construction attorney, I would definitely uh, turn to you. um, Despite the fact that you're a Caps fan. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Um, uh, Mike, uh, any final words uh, before we uh, before we wrap up? And Stacy and I just kind of walk through what's going on next week.
2: You know, just if I can answer any further questions, you know, I can give my contact information, and uh, people are welcome to reach out.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I, here, here, I, I actually, I don't know how useful this is, but look, Mike up on LinkedIn. It's Michael E. Wagner. On on LinkedIn, Michael E. Wagner Jr., that is, on on LinkedIn. He's um, accessible there, very responsive, I noticed. And um, if, uh, uh, you know, Michael, any other way that you'd have people contact you, would you have them start here?
2: Yeah, I start there. Um, Also, my email is mewagner at sypharth.com and I'm at 202 828
0: 5392. Awesome. Thanks. Appreciate it, Mike. Thank you so much for being here. Stacy, let's talk a little bit about what's going on next week.
1: Okay. So, we have Molly Cape from M Tech joining us and Maury Peterson from Rebuilding Together Montgomery. Um, and we're going to talk about community service and how that helps our partnerships with GC subs and how we can use the materials and our resources just to help our local communities and build relationships. Awesome. Great discussion. I think, you know, so much of the discussions that,
0: that I have with my clients right now revolve around employee retention, uh, engagement, happiness, things along those lines. It is not a natural connection for a lot of people to think about how they can involve their company in community service, how that might actually help with employee engagement and retention, but it absolutely does, and I look forward to digging into that. With uh, that and more, uh, with uh, with Maury and Molly, so that that'll be a a cool uh, kind of group discussion um, uh, next week. So, thank you, uh, Stacy, for for all of your help in uh, making sure that we have fantastic guests every week, uh, and that uh, our our you know guests question our sorry our viewers' questions get a chance to get a, uh, answered. Um, anything to say before we wrap up?
1: Nope. I hope everyone has a great rest of the week and I hope you join us Tuesday. We'll send out an email, um, hopefully sometime tomorrow just to let you know a recap of this episode and then who's on next week.
0: Excellent. Yeah. We'll make sure that you register in advance and Hey, if you don't want to be trying to follow LinkedIn and, and, you know, check, check our posts to find out when the next show is and get registered just shoot Stacy an email with your email, and she will get you on our weekly list. That is the easiest possible way to make sure that you stay plugged into this and uh, and that you don't miss an episode that you want to miss. So, uh, or sorry, that you don't want to miss. Uh, I'll talk to I'll talk to you guys uh, all later. Thanks so much, Stacy. Have a good one, audience. You
1: too. See you bye. guys.
0: Yeah. Bye bye.